if you guys have your Bibles, I just want you to open to Acts 2. Acts 2. And, uh, yeah, just during worship, these verses came to mind. They actually aren't even in my notes. They probably should be. Um, <clears throat> Acts 2.25. And uh, just talking about Jesus and him dying. <clears throat> he raises up, beats death, basically. And then it says, for David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the path of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. And uh, this scripture is it's huge. I mean, I, I don't want to take time to break the whole thing down. But just the fact that we, David's keeping the Lord before him. And, it, and his hope, it, it encourages him. There's a strengthening in his inner man as he keeps the, basically the Messiah. Because I believe that David was looking for the Messiah, the one that would come and restore all things. He was waiting for that Messiah. So he's talking, it says, it says here, he's talking about Jesus here, the Messiah. I saw him always before me. Like, man, I had the Messiah before me. He's, he's coming. He's going to restore all things. And if I keep my eyes set on him, I will not be shaken. Psalms 15 has similar language to that. Therefore, my heart was glad. My tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. I know he's not going to leave me in Hades, but I will be resurrected. Will come up out of the ground. I believe David believed in the resurrection. Or let your Holy One see corruption, which is the Messiah, that he'll be resurrected. You have made known to me the path of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. And uh, I just want to pray for us, but I want to pray in context of that because David had tough times in his life. He had tough situations, incredibly hard situations, actually. And, uh, and for me, in the midst of my life, there's been incredibly tough situations as well. And the thing that has grounded me is this subject. This subject, I'm, there's probably not any other subject that the Lord has dealt with me more on than this subject. Um, just because I, I am or have been a person of complaint, and at times am a person of complaint. The Lord continues to deal with me in this subject. Man, this is a massive subject when it comes to being a believer and walking in righteousness, especially as hard times come your way, especially. So if, if we don't walk into this subject and really lock in well, and hard times come, we could fall away. I just want to say it. The Lord's made this subject that critical to me. So it's just not like, yeah, I like to give thanks, you know, eat the turkey, you know, whatever, you know. But it's really, there's some depth to it in the heart of the Lord. So I just want to pray, Lord, I just ask that, Lord, you would come. You would speak life to us. Lord, I pray that this teaching would cause our eyes, God, all in this room, to set their eyes on you, God, more often and with more intensity. I ask that in Jesus' name. Lord, give us grace. God, we can't do it on our own. We're weak. We're broken. And we desperately need you, Holy Spirit. You are the gift that was given for us to lead us to that day to meet you. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would give us grace to have a, an attitude of thanksgiving, a prayerfulness in the area of thanksgiving, where we ask that you would come and help us to celebrate you, to remember you, God. Lord, I just ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Did anyone do the assignment that I gave? Anyone at all? 
Okay, it's okay. If, you, if I don't see any hands, I'm not going to be discouraged. But hopefully by the end of this teaching, and actually that's, that's a confirmation of why I'm so passionate about this subject and why I want to teach on it so much. How many of you guys knew what the assignment was? Does anyone even know what the assignment was? Okay, a few of you. Okay. The, the assignment, the reason I did it is because I think it was Rachel whenever I, I sent her the email. I don't know what she sent you guys. But I just I shot it really quick and said, yeah, the 15 minutes daily, just trying to like really lean in. Full 15 minutes, just lean into the area of Thanksgiving. And, um, and I said it's so counter to the Western culture at least, because that's what I'm used to is our Western culture here. But it's so counter to be walking in a spirit of Thanksgiving. And it's incredibly difficult. So really, I gave that wondering who would persevere to the end and do it. Because it's incredibly difficult to walk with an attitude of thanksgiving. I'm going to talk about that today. It was for me. It was incredibly difficult. And the Lord brought me, brought me up out of the miry clay. He's done it again and again in the subject. So my history, just to give you a little history on this subject. I've struggled with this throughout my life. I, I, have, I grew up in a family. That's a, I grew up in a small town, so that should tell you something right away in the area of complaint versus thanksgiving. But I grew up in a small town, and my family um, loved them. I love my family. But I live with a family of complainers. That's just what they do. And, and that's who they are. Their identity is in that. A lot of times their identity is in complaint, but it's like secret complaint, you know, like sharing everybody's business or we just need to pray, you know, all that stuff. But it's, there's a lot of complaints swirling around. And, uh, and so whenever I, I really began to step into the Lord a little bit harder and go after him, the Lord really began to press on me this subject. It's like, Rich, you really want to walk in righteousness? You need to deal with this thing called complaint in your heart. And, uh, and it's still a journey, but man, has it been a great journey with the Lord. God in his mercy highlighted this subject to me in so many ways early on in my Christian walk. I really believe that it, it was his mercy. I don't know where I would be if I was the complaining Richie I used to be. I, I would be in a not good place. I might still be in ministry, but I wouldn't be in a good place here. And so, see, so you can be in ministry. I, traveling with the Choir of the Fire and Teen Mania Ministries... I cannot tell you just how many things I saw in the midst of leaders, people that you would know, just complaints. In fact, I had to deal with, with a, a very well-known worship leader in the back locker room. My heart breaks. My heart breaks even thinking about that situation. But just the complaint and the, the way he dealt with people that were on my team, the area of complaint that was the level of complaint, and yet he's walking on stage and leading 25,000 people to worship. Give me a break. Oh, this subject is so needed in the body of Christ. So, so needed. Um, I just put this, it's rescued me many times from slipping deep into pride and blindly walking in sin while claiming leadership within the church. So this subject is time and time again, save me from walking in blind pride again and again and again. And, and in fact, gripping a hold of humility in the midst of times where I, I want to plead my case, where I want to say, no, this, this is what really happened. You don't really know. This is what really happened. The Lord's saying, no, you just need to look to me, Rich. Give thanks. So it's a vital subject. It gets us past ourselves, focusing on who God isn't to us, and places the focus on who he is. I'm about to hand out the notes here in just a second. Thanksgiving drives us to continue crying out for his grace which strengthens our life to continue with intensity in his purposes. Wow, okay, let's do the notes. Anyone want to help me pass out these notes? Anybody at all? 
you guys. All right, I probably won't be able to hit on all of my notes as as we go through today. But I'm going to sure try. I'm probably going to skip over certain areas, but that's okay. Just really quick, how many of you guys feel like you grew up in a family of complainers? Anyone? Okay. It's pretty common, actually, in our, in our society. Yeah, I, yeah. Then hopefully this message will be encouraging and life-giving to you. Um, that's my hope. And not condemning. Like, I don't want this to be condemning at all. I want this to be, like, even if there's complaint in your own heart, which I see as sin. It's clearly sin. If there's complaint in your own heart for you to recognize it, give it to the Lord, deal with it, and turn from your wicked ways. That, that's my hope. And, um, yeah, the, Lord, the Lord's continued to rebuke me time and time again in this area. Um, yeah, and I just want to say that you, you really can't master the area of Thanksgiving. You really can't. There's just layers of life. And so I'm a single guy, radical. I'm in Three Rivers, Michigan, living in my little shack with my ferret loving. And having a blast. I'm like, oh, God, I thank you. And I'm eating crackers and honey. You know, I'm learning to be thankful for having nothing, basically. And then I get married. And it's a new level of thanksgiving because it purges you in a whole other area. And then I start to overcome that. Oh, Lord, I just thank you. And then I have a child. It's like, oh, you know, you have to really deal with your insights, you know. And then you have another child, and it's like it just continues. And so I just want to say, there's layers of fleshliness that the Lord is, he keeps us on our toes, desperate for him. Desperate for him. All right, remembering him and his goodness is essential. So I just wanted to start with remembrance, because I really believe remembrance is kind of a stepping stone into Thanksgiving. A perspective matters. Psalm 77, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder on all your work, and meditate on your mighty deeds. I just had a meeting yesterday with two men that are probably, you know, 50, 60, somewhere in there, and, and they disciple college students. And they were just adamantly, I mean, they weren't completely opposed, but they're adamantly opposed to technology in many, many ways. Because they're like, this generation, you know, they're just like really passionate. This generation, they can't even focus you know, they're, like, really intense on it. I was like, well, well, I have a computer, you know. I have a Facebook account, you know. And, um, but just, just, I mean, there's something, there's truth to that. That It's really difficult for us to ponder, to just sit and ponder on him, on his wonders, on his awesomeness, on the signs that are pointing to his coming day. It, it takes time. That's why this 15 minutes, just giving 15 minutes of Thanksgiving is extremely hard for our generation. Um, number one, in the Bible, it seems like God is continually trying to point the eyes of his people toward him and his ways. Not because he has an ego to take, an ego to take care of, but because it serves their well-being. God knows it. He's constantly saying, remember, remember, re- all throughout the Old Testament. Remember, oh, can't you remember? Like, even Jesus, he's like, it says, I was listening, I have an audio Bible. I was listening to the Gospels, and it's like, he was almost bewildered at their lack of faith. You know, and his disciples, like, don't you remember what I've just done? You know, come on, get it. And it's difficult for us to do that. Um, when we place our eyes on, on his greatness and goodness, then our priorities begin to align with his priorities by the work of the Spirit in our lives. 
Some examples are Joshua 24, Nehemiah 9 and 10. And basically Joshua 24, which I have below, I'll kind of, I can maybe skip over these. But Joshua 24, I love this chapter. This chapter just got me one day. I was just like reading in my time with him. And all throughout Joshua 24, he knows that these people just, they need a good butt whipping, you know. You know, like, get on the narrow path, you know. So he's just like listing, and he did this for you, and this for you. And, th and that's like basically the entire chapter. And he's like, so you're going to serve God or what, you know. And, and then they, you know, they say, oh, Lord, we, we'll, you know, um, what does he say? Let's just read it. Let's read it. He says, uh, uh, as, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. So, so in the remembrance, their hearts turn back to the Lord. And they're like, Lord, we're going to serve you. We're going to give ourselves to you and go after you. Now, they didn't do that ultimately, but um, they forgot again. Number two, men's hearts were always meant to be gripped by the goodness of God. When, we're, when we remember his goodness, then our lives are stripped of complaint and self-seeking. And we die to ourselves in order for his agenda to live through us. We are humbled in his mercy and greatness, which provokes us to serve his purposes above our own. Th this stuff really, the area of Thanksgiving, who in here wants to be, walk humbly? Who wants to walk humbly? Who wants to walk in righteousness? Good, because I get you in the kingdom, so y'all should be raising your hand. Man, this subject is massive. So when I cry out to the Spirit many times, it's like, Holy Spirit, help me. And so I can ask him for help in all different areas. He's there to be my helper and to, to help guide me. But one of the main areas I ask him for help in is Thanksgiving. Because in my heart, I complain and because of who I am. So some of you might be able to relate to who I am. I can just observe things. Like I'm not trying. I'm not looking for it. It's just I walk into certain places and I observe a large amount of information. And it comes together in like a puzzle and I can kind of piece together and discern certain things. Not all the time, but sometimes. So some of you might be able to relate to me. So in that, it's very, easily to get on the, very easy to get on the track of complaints. And, and so for me, I've had to battle in this thing and battle and battle not to be um, self-seeking and walk in and of myself. All right, let's keep going. Number three, prayer is such a gift to us so that we might remember who he is, gain right perspective, and be encouraged by his spirit to pursue a pure and holy life unto salvation in the resurrection of our bodies. So prayer really, I see Thanksgiving as a, as a key aspect in the, in the get-go of prayer. Even in cry, like I was just example, exemplifying, crying out to the Holy Spirit, one of the main things for me is Thanksgiving and asking for thanks because I'm such a complainer in, my, in myself. Number four, remembering God's grace, amnesty, and salvation helps us to see God's commands through eyes of understanding and love instead of rebellion. God constantly sought to encourage Israel in this way that they might obey and know him. So God was constantly trying to remind them of, of Egypt. That's what I'm getting at. And, and so I put amnesty in there as well because God is withholding judgment, right? He hasn't come back and judged the earth in its finality like the word talks about. He will. There's going to be a day where he will come back and judge. But he's in amnesty. He's withholding judgment right now. So there's so much we can be thankful for. Because our hearts, if we really deal with ourselves, we deserve judgment. We deserve hell. I mean, we really should have that reality. But, like, we really deserve not good things. But the Lord, in his grace and in his mercy, continues to lead us unto salvation. Exodus 13, 3, just give a few of these examples. Then Moses said to the people, remember this day in which you came out from Egypt, out of the house of slavery, for by a strong hand the Lord brought you out from this place. Exodus 20, I am the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. Numbers 15, 
the Lord said to Moses, speak to the people of Israel and tell them to make tassels on the corner. Like God was trying all that he could to get them to rem remember. And it shall be a tassel for you to look at and remember all the commandments of the Lord, to do them, not to follow after your own heart and your own eyes, which are inclined to, to whore after. Wow. So you shall remember and do all my command, commandments and be, a and be holy to your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 15, 15. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. You just, I mean, over and over and over again. I want to back up to Exodus 20 really quick. This is really, uh, this was key for me, at least, a revelation for me. Exodus 22 is the second verse there. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Thou shalt not, da, 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 da. Thou shalt not, da, 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 da. So he starts giving the thou shalt nots, right? And many times, we, we hear the thou shalt nots, or we, you know, just in our culture, and they're very, very negative, you know, to, to the normal person, because we want to riots, we, we don't want to submit to anybody. But God was trying to, trying to put it in context. I brought you out of Egypt. I have your well-being in mind. I desperately love you. I did all that. Remember, bring, bring you out of Egypt isn't just like, yeah, I brought you out of Egypt. No, remember I sent that plague and that plague, and I sent this and that and that to, to Pharaoh's house, and I was really trying to get you out of there. Remember the well-being I had in my heart towards you? Thou shalt not do this. Thou shalt not do that. I really love you, and I want you to be with me. Don't do those things. Like it's out of a heart of love coming from the Lord. Number five, many of the Davidic Psalms are great examples of what remembrance looks like in real life situations and how it can set the tone for how we live. I mean, David, just a great example, man after God's own heart. One of the key things in David is he loved the Lord, but he was a man of thanksgiving. He set his eyes on the Lord. He remembered who he was rather than setting his eyes on the situation. I mean, yeah, sometimes he'd start the song and be like, Lord, my enemies, and it sounded like he was a whiner and complainer. But isn't it great that he turned to the Lord and did it? Huh? He turned to God and he did it. And by the end, he's like, God, you're great. Ah! You know, and he's like, loving the Lord. We should do that more often. It's helpful. Psalm 4, a psalm of David. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? You've put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. Can we say that? Like Psalm 73, the wicked are prospering, Lord. But this is what I know is that they're like grass and they will pass away. My jo joy and hope is in forever with you. That's where it lies. My hope is in the resurrection and me coming up out of the grave to spend time with you forever. How can grain and wine even compare to that? But it does in our society, doesn't it? It does. So many things that we long for that wicked men have. So much. Even this season for me. This season for me that I'm in, I just moved to Duluth since the last time I taught you guys. is for me to live simple. To offload. To get rid of stuff. To just know how to know him and be with him instead of longing for all the other things. <clears throat> Psalms 11. To the choir master of David, in the Lord I take refuge. How can you say to my soul, flee like a bird to your mountain? For behold, the wicked bend the bow. They have fitted their arrow to the string to shoot in the dark at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? 
The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes see, his eyelids test the children of man. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteous deeds. The upright shall behold his face. The wicked, they're coming against us. They're, they're going after us. But the Lord still sits on the throne. And if that's a reality, which we're going to talk about here in a little bit, if, if him sitting on his throne isn't just fluffy cloud stuff, and it's not just like ethereal out there, but it's really real, he really is on a sea of glass, he really is surrounded by four living creatures and the, and the 24 elders, if, he, if that's really real, then I can give thanks no matter what. Because he dwells where he's supposed to dwell, and he oversees all that. And he's going to bring the lofty people low and take the low people high on the day of the Lord. Psalm 31. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. Oh, wait, that's what I just read, right? Did I read that? Okay. My eyes wasted from grief, my soul and my body also. So does it sound like he's in a good place? Probably not. For my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity. My bones waste away. Verse 19. So he, he's, he's tracking. So I just wanted to give context to where he's coming from. So he's tracking. We got from verses 11 through 18 that I don't have there, but he's, he's, he's going. Verse 19. Oh, how abundant is your goodness. Oh, which you have stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you. In the sight of the children of mankind, in the cover of your presence, you hide them from the plots of men. You store them in, in your shelter from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me when I was a besieged city. We, don't, we can't even compare to what these guys went through. I mean, really, we, we have it good, right? We really do. We have it good every day in so many different ways. And you got David, who's like living in caves at certain times, you know, and some of us, we, maybe we really like that, you know? Like Eric Rainwater would probably really love that, you know, living in the cave, you know? And, and me too, I, I kind of like the outdoors, but, like, they just had some great distress going on, you know? Like, even with his son, like, I, I, having a son, thinking about David and his son and his son taking over and, and him go, getting out of the city and, like, what that must have done to his heart that his son was doing that to him. You know, just all these things that we go through or that people go through. All right, let's dive into it. Number three, thanksgiving as the fruit of remembrance. A, remembrance is the road by which thanksgiving travels. A person's prayer life can be made known through the level of thanks that exudes from their life. As we behold him in his goodness, which is remembering, thanksgiving becomes a common declaration in our minds and off our lips. We all have struggles, as did David and many in the word, but it is in remembering the depths of who he is in the midst of those struggles that we exalt him above those problems. And those struggles. It's huge, guys. It's huge. Man, just e even take a week and just try to constantly keep him in remembrance. Just like, oh, just like in the word, you gotta grab the Psalms, whatever it is. Just it's powerful. Psalms 107. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loyal love, his said love, his covenant love, for the amazing things he has done for people. Let them present thank offerings and loudly proclaim what he has done. Number two, remembrance clears the fog that life can bring, lifts anxiety of current turmoil by seeing the bigger picture, and ultimately leads to genuine thanksgiving. Here's the thing. Here's the struggle I had. I'm just going to share a struggle I had. When I began this journey, like, I would sit there, and I'd be, like, trying to give thanks, you know? So I'm like, thank you, Lord, like, uh, and I thank you for the blue sky and the green grass and the tree over there, you know, like, 
and not really having a whole lot to go off of because it was so foreign to me. I was just like so good at complaining. Incredibly good at complaining that Thanksgiving irritated my insights. It did. It's like, and, and I had to really press through. I had to really dive deep to get genuine Thanksgiving. And I'll say this for like, I would say months. I forgot, like, I was so, because I, I used to be so legalistic, and I was caught up in, okay, I, when I pray, I got to do this, and that, and that, and that, and I better get to the prayer quest, I got, da, 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 you know, and I do all that stuff, and I just finally came to a point where I was just like, you know what, I've just got to do Thanksgiving, because I can't, I'm not going anywhere, and when we get to the tabernacle at the end, I'll give you a small glimpse, but that, the priest entered by the gate of Thanksgiving, well, what I was doing in my prayer life is I wasn't even entering into the temple, into his house, I wasn't even, like, giving sufficient thanks to enter in and be able to pray correctly, my heart was just so messed up. So for months, it would be like an hour of just Thanksgiving. Like me literally struggling through it. Like, Lord, um, thank you. Uh, thank you that, that I have a mom. You know, like, thank you that I have, have food. You know, like, I, like, it was a struggle. It really was that hard. To the point where, where it finally became like, a lifestyle. It was in my life. And so I would go into prayer and I would be like, oh, thank you, God. All right, let's get on. You know, and I'd be like cruising into the rest of my prayer time. But it, be, it took a long time for it to get to that place. I had to really dig deep. But when I really learned to dig deep in the area of Thanksgiving, when it came to prayer, and just in general in life, when it became a lifestyle, but in that place of prayer specifically, many times it ended in weeping. So it's not all about weeping and if I don't weep, that I didn't give sufficient thanks. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying many times it ended in weeping because I really, really, really caught a glimpse of the Lord. It was the Acts 2 reality. Oh, Lord, you're, you're before my eyes. How can I not be on my knees weeping before you? Learning to love you well. <clears throat> Genuine thanksgiving. So I just want to say that because you might go after it and, and feel that struggle. That struggle's okay. It's like fasting. You go through it, you get the headaches. Remember our last teaching? You get the headaches, you get all that stuff, and a lot of people, they give up on fasting, right? Oh, I, I must be dying. I better stop fasting. You know, I got a headache, you know, a really bad one. Okay, it's kind of the same thing here. I'm really struggling. This not might not be from the Lord, the area of Thanksgiving, you know. Keep pressing through in the area of Thanksgiving. Number three, before we can declare his goodness, which is Thanksgiving, we must first remember it. Throughout the Bible, declaration of God and his goodness surrounds the remembrance of God and his goodness. The Psalms were a great example of that. When we remember him, thanksgiving and declaration naturally follows. I.e., and I just put this, when we get a great deal on something, so we get something and we're really thankful, right? We're all consumers in some way or another. We buy stuff. And you get something, you're like, man, I really love this hairbrush, you know, whatever it is, you know. This toothbrush is incredible. You're like, oh, you got to get the Sonicare toothbrush, whatever. We're like, start promoting it. You know, it's the same thing in the area of Thanksgiving. When we get thankful for something, what do we do? We, we talk about it. Oh, the Lord is so good to me. And you know what? Some people might think you're so, I don't know, you're, you're just fake. There's the word I'm looking for. They might think you're fake. I can't tell you how many people I'd walk into a new environment every year with a choir of the fire. I would step in and I have a new team that I was leading on the road. And every year I knew that there were those who were skeptics of me, okay? Just because of who I am, I, just, I understand who Richie Parks is a little bit. I'm still, the Lord's still helping me understand myself. But I, I'm kind of jumpy, as you guys know, a little bit. 
But I, I, I really was trying to seek and walk in that area of Thanksgiving, right? And so I'm walking in, and I, and I knew there's people that actually would say it. Like, Rich, whenever I, I'm around you, I just want to say it. You really feel fake to me. Like, no one could be as jumpy and happy as you, like, and thankful as you. Like, come on. Where's the realness of who you are? And so people might think you're fake. And it's not that, I, I think that we do need to voice struggles. We all have struggles. I had struggles in that season. And probably in my own pride, didn't voice them all the time to those people, to those I was leading. But someone will think you're fake, and you just need to keep going at it. All right. First Chronicles 16. Glory in this holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Why? Because verse 12, remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles, and the judgments he uttered. 15, remember his covenants forever, the word that he commanded for a thousand generations. So for us, we read that and we're like, oh, that's really nice. Like, remember, re- remember his covenant forever? That's great. What the heck is a covenant? I don't even, what, I don't need a thousand generations. Like, like we need to dive into this stuff. Like, his covenant, his, he's going to restore creation. That's part of his covenant. And we need to be thankful for that. That needs to be at the forefront of our hearts all the time is the end so that we live now correctly. It's massive. That is really big in the Lord's heart all throughout the word. If you really get the Lord's heart in the midst of, at the beginning, it's really his heart all the way through. Verse 34 of that same, same uh, scripture passage. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. So I'm giving you like little tidbits, but it's like they're cruising through a significant amount of stuff to get to these verses. And to really, to really fight hard. The effects of Thanksgiving. A, problems become opportunities. Acts 16. The crowd joined in attacking them. And when they had afflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison. 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Huh. So they must have had something going on in their hearts that were causing them to declare it, Right? They just got beaten and knocked down and placed in prison, and probably not a very nice one. They didn't have, like, weights, do weights, and little TVs like we do in the prisons today, right? It was pretty bad. They probably were struggling pretty hardcore. We're praying and singing hymns to God. Who is listening? Those around them, right? Prisoners were listening. Now, the key is that they weren't doing it for the prisoners, because that sometimes can come in our hearts. Let's, let's do it so we get praise from everybody else. They were doing it to God, but others just happened to be getting something, right? 26, and suddenly, I've had a lot of these and suddenlies in the area of thanksgiving and giving praise to the Lord, like sincere, genuine praise. There was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Now granted, God doesn't send an earthquake every time you start praising and worshiping and giving thanks to him and remembering him. But I guarantee if you live a lifestyle in that way, the Lord absolutely loves it. There's going to be moments where he does things. Number one, Paul and Silas responded with remembrance in their situation, which eventually led to their divine release. Problems will arise in our lives without doubt, but our attitude can be testimony and witness to the reality of our hearts. Even to the point of it affecting our environment and those around us. Now, here's the thing. I don't know how it works. You know, some magic solution, if I do this, then he might do that. I don't even care about that. I just want to keep the Lord before my eyes and let him deal with whatever you have. What does he, you want to shake the prison doors? Great, Lord, do it. But I want to set my eyes on you. But in the midst of that, others can receive and will. I can tell you testimony after testimony 
how the Lord has affected others in and through the thanksgiving in my own life. And then set them free, right? The door's open. Earthquake comes. Now, that's the Lord who does that, not me. I am broken. I'm whatever. It takes the Holy Spirit for me to even utter thanksgiving to the Lord. I cannot do it in and of myself. But if I allow the Holy Spirit to do it and I bow down to, my, I bow down to humility and get rid of my pride, then it can be a powerful thing that happens. Great example of this. Durango, right before I moved to Minnesota, I was in Durango, had a college ministry and stuff, and it was right when we first landed there in Durango, and I was, I was seeking the Lord and praying, and Lord, what do, you, what do you have for us here? Like, we just knew we were supposed to be in Durango. We loaded up our car, and we, like, low ride it all the way to, all the way to Durango, and, and we get there, and I'm just, like, praying. I went up on this little mountain area every day for, like, seven days. Finally, the Lord downloaded some things. Rich, here's what I want you to do here. And I was like, okay, God. So I was pumped. I had like some pretty significant vision in my heart. And my wife's at the church, and she's helping out at the church where we were at. And, uh, and so I jump on my bike, and I'm riding my bike over to see her and to, to take her lunch, basically, and love on her. And in the midst of that, I'm riding. You know, it's, Durango's a mountain biking city. It's just made for mountain biking, so there's lots of trails and stuff like that. And I'm just going. So I'm, I'm on the pavement. So part of it is a trail, a dirt trail. But I get to the pavement. I'm riding the pavement, which you think would be far easier than a dirt trail. And I'm riding through this park. It's called Gazebo Park. There's a big gazebo there. I'm riding along, and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm literally turning to get on this little bridge. It's not a sharp turn. I'm just doing whatever. And it just feels like somebody goes, bam, on the side of my bike. And my bike goes out from underneath me just really hardcore, and I land. My, my head hits. It goes, ba-boom, and I hit my chin somehow. I know I hit this part of my head, and I hit my chin. And I just landed on my side. And... I was like, what just happened to me? Like, it, it really was, I, I personally believe it was something evil that did that to me. Because I, it was like as though I threw my bike over. That's, some ladies actually ran right up, and they said, why did you, why did you do that? That's what, that was their first comment to me. Not, how are you doing? Hey, you got blood coming from your chin. But why did you do that? Like, you threw your bike over. What, what were you doing? <laughs> like, that was their first response. I said, I, I don't know, you know. And, and, um, and so anyway, they see my chin. They're like, yeah, you definitely need stitches. And. I was like, oh, I don't have a car. You know, I'm in pretty bad shape. And they're like, hey, come with us. We'll throw your bike in the back of the truck and take you to your wife. And so I go to grab my bike, and my right arm is totally dead. I, like, I can't, I can't pick up anything. I didn't know it until that moment because it's just the, probably the shock of everything. But immediately, immediately, I go to pick up this bike. And I've been in another situation. I was just like, Lord, I just thank you that you are the God and creator of my body. I thank you that you are the king that's sitting on the throne right now, and you know whatever principality just came, and, or power. And, Lord, I, I call and I beckon for you. you. You do what you want to do in this situation, but I set my eyes on you. Immediately set my eyes where they needed to be. And that had come from years and years of just trying to have an attitude of thanks, right? So it was my immediate response. It wasn't like I was trying to muster it up. It was just there. Boom. Throw my bike in the back. We drive. And, uh, and Gracie's just like, oh, that's not good. And so they take me. I get my stitches in my chin. But the whole time I'm getting my chin, my arm is like, it, it's hurting pretty significantly at this point. It's like almost unbearable pain in my arm. So the next place we go is we have to drive across the town and go to the, the hospital to, because I wasn't at the hospital to get stitches. I was at somebody else's place. And, and uh, I get to the emergency room. I go in. They do x-rays. And, and in the midst of the x-rays, they bring them out. I'm, I'm pretty good pain. They're like, we're going to split you up. We really can't tell what's going on with your arm. You need a specialist. So we'll schedule something. Seven days later, you can go to the specialist and whatever. And, uh, and I'm like, seven days? Okay, you know, all right, I can do that. But I was in pretty bad pain. And I hate taking pain meds. I just do. And so I took, took as few as I could. 
but the first two nights, I was in extreme pain. Couldn't even sleep the first two nights. And I was like, okay, I probably, probably should take pain meds. So the next morning, I was going to get up and pop some pills and, you know, be okay and, and make it through the rest of the, the, you know, the few days. But in the midst of the bed, before I did that, I was just like, Lord, you're the healer. And I'd just been reading this book called Intercessor. By, it's about Reese Howells. Anybody read that book? It's a great book. It's awesome. Norman Grubb wrote it. He actually was on this campus at one point and um, lived on this campus. And so anyway, uh, I'd been reading this book, and this guy was just a radical guy in the midst of wells. And uh, anyway, and so I'm like, Lord, you can heal me, Lord. Come. Oh, and I'm just like crying out in the bed. And boom, instantly the pain's gone. And I'm like, and, it's, and this whole time, even through those few days, just like, thanks, just willing to, like, just continue to put him where he needed to be instead of complaining, right? Even though it was really extreme pain, I was just like, Lord, I set my eyes on you. So I get healed, and I just really believe that the Lord loves. He just loves it when we have hearts of gratitude, hearts of thanks. It just, I think it, it's just like a child, which we, we'll talk about a little bit. It's like a child that's just like, oh, I just love you, Dad. I thank you. I love it when my son does that. I'm like, I'll give you anything, you know. Like, I just love you, you know. And I think the Lord is the same way. He's like, he, that's why me as a father and, and, and moms, you know, that, that we have these things towards our children. And so, anyway, so the Lord heals me. And, and I'm like, oh, this is good. And so, Five days later, I go to the doctor, right? And the doctor's like, she, she puts up my, my thing, and she's like, well, you definitely have uh, a radial fracture right here. Um, basically, in my radial bone, I'd had this fracture. She's like, I can see it in this first x-ray, but we need to do another one. So she takes off the wrap. She's really careful. You know I'm not bending my arm or anything. She, we do the x-rays, and she splints it back up. She doesn't want it moving. And um, so she's out for a while. Then she comes in. And she's just kind of like, you know, I, I, I hate to give you this news. You know, I said that you broke your radial bone. She had said that first time. When you break your radial bone, you lose a certain percentage of motion in your arm. It's like it's just gone for the rest of your life. She's like, you actually broke three places in your radial. And you can see them. She sticks them up, and she's like, here, here, and here. And the whole time, I'm just like, no, I didn't. Well, I did, but the Lord healed me. Done. And she's totally new age. It's just Durango, the very new age there. And. And uh, just by things she had said, she's very new age. And, and so she's like, well, let's take off the splint now and, and check it. And I just want you to slowly move your arm down, you know, to see. She's like, you should probably be able to get this much motion. That's it. So she takes off the splint, man. And I'm just ready. And she's like, go ahead and extend your arm. And I was like, bam! <laughs> she was like, are you okay? Did that hurt? And I was like, no, my God, it healed me. Ah! You know, like, she's like, can you put your arm back in? I was like, boom! Ah! <laughs> You know, I'm just having a blast with it. Anyway, it was awesome. It was just an awesome time. But I really believe that it's the Lord's response to gratitude and thanks in our hearts. Like, he really, really loves that. So problems can become opportunities if you choose to walk rightly. But it takes a, a lifestyle. It takes just doing it in the everyday. It really, really does. B, it reveals his faithfulness, stirring love, to, love toward him. Man, this is it. In Thanksgiving, there is a strengthening of trust which allows you to go through hard times without offense. Thankfulness recognizes or brings to light faithfulness in the one we are, we are giving thanks for. As a result, it can strengthen our trust and resolve in the Lord. As we remember, give thank, we give thanks for who he is, what he has done in our lives, and his kingdom to come. The justice, when he's going to bring that justice. Man, yeah. 
I just want to say this. Arden, like he, my son, he often says, Daddy, I love you. He says it a lot. I, I really love that about him. I really, really love that. But many times he says it in context to being thankful for my faithfulness in his life. Daddy, I love you. Even in the discipline. Like, I really want that in his life. That even in the discipline, he's like, Daddy, I, I love you. I love you too, bud. I, this is mercy on your heart and on your life. I want you to be with me in the resurrection, son. This is mercy towards you. I love you, Daddy. I love you too. Like, it's in that faithfulness. He sees Daddy's faithfulness toward him. It's huge. Psalms 28. Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts, and I am helped. My heart exalts, and with my song I give thanks to him. Psalms 37, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend or feed on his faithfulness. Now, that's huge. Feed on his faithfulness. I just want to say that to you. If that's any, any type of word that hits you this morning, let that be it. Feed on his faithfulness. And you can't feed on his faithfulness unless you set your eyes on where he's faithful and you recognize it. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. Number two, when thanksgiving towards the Lord's goodness is really at work in our hearts, peace is the outcome, even in times of distress, because it helps us place trust in his ultimate resolution. It bypasses anxiety and makes way for peace through having proper perspective and trusting him with it. Man, oh, this is huge, guys. This is really huge. I, as a young kid, I was very depressed all the time. I wasn't bubbly. I wasn't happy. I was very depressed. I killed myself actually two times. And, and this was massive. This is where the Lord began to, like, just work on my heart in this area and trying to wipe away this anxiety. Like, I just wanted to be free. I felt tormented. Really, I did. And this area set me free fully. I remember it was, I, I was at Teen Mania still. It was what my younger years at Teen Mania. I just graduated, and I went to this honor, the Honor Academy, the internship there. And I still had moments. I remember them. I had moments where this thing would rise up in me, it just fear gripping fear and anxiety that related to that depression that I knew so well way back when. And it would still come up. And God just put the pedal. Like this, maybe that was the Lord's mercy and pointing out Thanksgiving to me so heavily was he wanted to free me from that. But it did. Thanksgiving and setting my eyes on his faithfulness freed me from that gripping fear that I felt so often. Thank you, Lord. Philippians 4. Let your, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. You'll find it in so many verses. It's like he slips it in, thanksgiving. <laughs> you know, like, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, go after God. No, with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. There's a reason it's in there. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's a lot of wickedness out there that's seeking to grip our hearts and our minds. A lot. I'm telling you, Thanksgiving is massive. It's like a guard, setting a guard up to protect your heart from those things. C, creates a revolving door of mutual love and blessing. Oh, I love this. Like, I just, I, I'll just stop for a second. I call them sovereign surprises, but... But there was just this one time in my prayer, my prayer time where I, the Lord just gave me this picture, this image, 
I'm like thanking him. Lord, I, I just think, you know, I was in this place of sincere thanksgiving and just awesome love for him. And I got this image that the Lord was up in the heavens just kind of giddy. You know, like, he was like, hey, angels, that's my son. Ah! I, I love him. Do you see? <laughs> and he starts to laugh, you know, like, you see my son, he, he loves me. He's gonna, he really is thankful. It's just like me as a father to my son. I just want to love him. Bam! And he blesses me in some way. So I really, I began to call it the revolving door of blessing. Because I felt like the Lord was blessing me around every corner. Not necessarily in material blessings. Yeah, sometimes. But to be honest, those were low in comparative to the other blessings he would give me. Like there's just this overwhelming sense of love from the Lord, right? Just like, oh, oh I can't stand it, you know, or whatever it is. But just where I'd walk on, I just be, and I just, I grew and I fell in love with thanking the Lord. So I, and I wasn't thanking him just to get, but I was just, it was like we were just having this fun relationship and still do, you know? Like, oh God, I thank you. Oh, you know, like, what are you doing up there, you know? Well, he's just like this revolving door in it. And then, and then when you get hit, you're just like, oh, thank you, bam, oh, oh. It's just like constantly, you know? And it really can be this powerful, like, rolling momentum in the area of thanksgiving. It's powerful. Man, let us step inside that revolving door. All right. D, cleanses our tongue. Our tongue is one, one easy and clear sign of the state of our heart. Thanksgiving or complaint become the tip of the spear when it comes to those clear signs of the tongue. They really, really do. So some of you right now, you might be sitting in your seats and you're like, oh, yeah, so-and-so. Mm-hmm. Tip of the spear, complaint. Mm-hmm. But I just want to say this. Before you judge others, consider yourselves. We all have issues. We all, all have issues. So I just want to say that. And for those of you who know your complainers, and you're like, everybody's thinking of me right now. I don't know. I, you know? You just need to zero in on the Lord. All of you just need to zero in on the Lord and let the Lord deal with whoever he needs to deal with. You really do. The Lord had to rebuke me. That was even complaint within my heart. I was complaining about the complainer. The Lord's like, you need to stop that. Ephesians 5.4. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. Ugh. Yeah. Amen. Ephesians 5. Addressing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ah, that's one of my favorite verses. All right, moving on. E. Causes rejoicing and attitude of prayerfulness. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Number one, this is one sentence made up into three verses, right? And so, it's just one day it hit me, but many times, like, I'd always seen it as three separate components, right? Okay, I need to rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks. And so there's these three components, right? However, I look at verses 16 and 17 now, it's like, I, it just hit me one morning in my time. 16 and 17, and see them pulling from verse 18. It's like, I rejoice always and walk with an attitude of prayerfulness because I'm founded upon thanksgiving. Like, because thanksgiving is in my life, I can rejoice. I can actually rejoice in the Lord because I actually remember and see and focus on Him. I'm walking in an attitude of prayerfulness because I'm walking with thanksgiving. I actually see the attitude of prayerfulness and praying without ceasing as thanksgiving. 
me personally. Well, I, I can walk in an attitude of gratitude all the time, and that's like a state of prayerfulness for me. All right. Um, yeah. Okay. So just related to this, rejoicing always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. Tell, tell another quick story. Um, God took me to Michigan, the rivers Michigan, and in Michigan, I, it's the same as Durango. So whatever, for whatever reason, there's things that hit at the very beginning, right? Um, of ta- my times in certain places and seasons and all that. And so I was there, and I'd only been there, I think I'd been there eight days. God had already downloaded why I was there. I was going for it. I lived in my little shack, right, with my ferret loving that I already mentioned. Gotta love loving. Uh, God rest her soul. Um, yeah, it's kind of sad. I, I absolutely love living with loving, though. And, and so I was in this little bitty shack. I lived on this property. And it was starting to get cold about the time I moved there. It's in Michigan. It's cold in Michigan. How many are from Michigan? Anyone? Michiganites, sweet. And so Three Rivers, Michigan is where I lived. And uh, so in this little shack, I really needed to get the, the furnace going and, and heat the house because I was getting chilly and stuff like that. And so I went over there. It was kind of a caretaker. It was actually in a church. She lived in the church, uh, the woman who oversaw the property, and said, hey, I need my furnace lit. And I, I went and looked at the furnace. You know, I'm not totally incapable. I was wanting to light this furnace, right? But it didn't have any instructions, and I was just like, it's a furnace. You know, bad things can happen. Gas spewing out, you know, lighting matches. Not good. And so I was like, I'll go ask and see if there's, you know, anyone that really knows what they're doing with this. So I walk in, and there was a deaf guy there. They were visiting her. It was a deaf guy and, and his mom. He's an older deaf guy. And I had taken, you know, sign language in college, so I knew a little bit of sign language. How are you? You know, we're talking. And he's like, wow! You know, he's all excited. And, uh, and so his mom signs to him, yeah, he's needing somebody to light the furnace, you know. And, and, uh, and he's like, oh, I, I can do it, you know. And so I was like, okay, well, if he knows what he's doing, then great. So we go over to the little shanty, my little shack, and, um, and we enter in. So it's like it, you, you walk into a little porch area, and then you go in the house, right? So it's like this little enclosed porch, but it's kind of outside a little bit. And off to the left of that little enclosed porch is the furnace. And you actually enter through a door that I can barely squeeze through. And then you scoot over, and then one other person can stand here. So it's pretty tight. You can, like, bend down, like, but you have to keep your legs pretty far apart. So it's a really tight space. I just want to communicate that. So me and him, he's in there first, and I'm beside him, and we're looking. And I, you know, we're not talking a whole lot because he's deaf, you know. So he's kind of looking, and, and I'm like, mm-hmm, you know. And, uh, and so, so he turns on. He turns the knob, you know, and, uh, and it's spewing pretty good. It's like, you know, the gas is really, really, really coming out. And, uh, and I'm, like, looking. I was, like, well, that's, that's not it. You know, I'm thinking, like, that's probably not the proper way to do whatever, you know. And, and about that time, I'm looking down. I look over, and he's, like, <laughs> like, lighting the match. No joke. He's lighting the match. And he's going down. About the, when he gets right about here, it's, it's, like, slow motion in my head. When he gets about right about here, the whole thing explodes. Boom. It's, like, this big old ball of fire just encompasses us and then sucks back into the furnace. Now, come to find out later... It was supposed to explode. That would have killed us. We should have died. But anyway, so we, we get engulfed with flames. So this guy who's deaf is now blind because all of his eyelashes melted and went in his eyes. So he's like, ah! You know, he's like freaking out. So I'm like, oh, you know, wiping it out. I'm turning off the gas. And, and we're, so, we're pretty severely burned. Like, it's not good. And so we crawled there. And immediately, once again, immediately, Lord, you are king. You are Lord. I thank you, God, that we weren't killed right there because we definitely could have been. You know, I just begin to thank him. Literally, as we're walking, you know, 
my friend didn't know anything any better. You know, he's still kind of freaking out. I'm trying to calm him down the best I know how, but he can't even see me to see me signing to him, and it's a big mess. So I lead him over to the church, and, and while we're going over, I definitely, my face feels like, the best way to say it is my face feels like it's melting off of the skull, like the skin. It's really, it's pretty significantly painful. And, um, and him, his whole arm, his, his arm later on, we found out had third-degree burns uh, for sure on it. He had to get graphing and stuff like that. Um, so we go to the church. Long story short, we get in the van. You know, uh, his mom and this lady are kind of freaking out, and we drive over and uh, to the hospital. And we get there, and he's really panicked. You know, you think about it. You got one sense gone. Now you got two senses. And then you just don't know what's going on. No one can really communicate fast and clearly to you. So he's freaking out pretty good. And so er- the, the nurses kind of draw attention to him. They know that I'm messed up too. They draw attention to him. They're taking care of him. They kind of stick me in a side room. And um, finally, the nurse comes in, and she's like, oh. And it's not the reaction you want to hear from the nurse when she comes in. Oh, oh. <laughs> looking at you. But that was her reaction. Then she's like, okay, well, we'll take care of you. You know, she's trying to encourage me after that. And, uh, and I can't explain it, but I was so filled with joy in this moment. Like, I was just, I don't know what it was. And I was just like, yeah, it was just so good. It was such an awesome feeling with the Lord. And uh, so she wraps my face. She puts this ointment on. She wraps my face, and she <laughs> she leaves the room. And I just can't help it. I'm like, oh, I can't remember what I was singing, but I was singing some song really loud in the room, you know. And and she comes back, and I was like, you know Jesus, you know. And I'm like talking to her, and, and she's like, oh yeah, you know. We're talking a little bit. I'm not I'm not totally crazy, you know, but I'm I'm talking to her, and she sees me singing songs, and she's like, yeah. So you're a Christian, you know? Yeah, you know. And, um, but my face is all wrapped up. So I have these, this white, it's like white, a white cloth over this ointment that's supposed to kind of help the burn or whatever. And so she's finally like, okay, it's, it's been enough time. Let's check it. She takes, and so, oh, oh, so, okay, I, I forgot the, the key moment. So I'm sitting there, I'm praising the Lord. No one's in the room with me. And the Lord says to me, he goes, Rich, I want to heal you. And I said, Lord, I know you want to heal me. You, you want to heal us all, you know? You, and he's like, no, I want to heal you right now. Because I, I'm telling you, I was just raw. I didn't really know the Lord really all that well. I didn't know how he functioned or worked, you know, I was just where I was, and so it's like, no, I want to heal you now, I was like, all right, you know, Lord, heal me, in Jesus' name, that's all I said, and, uh, and so the lady comes in, she takes, <laughs> she takes off the white cloth, and she's like, wow, that ointment really worked, <laughs> no joke, that's what she said, and I said, I said, no, my God wanted to heal me, he just healed me, <laughs> it was just awesome, it was great, and so she's like, kind of weirded out by it, she goes and gets the doctor, and and he comes and looks, he's like, yeah, you, you, you look pretty good. You know, I was just like, it's like, you look like you have a light sunburn, but that's about it. And uh, you, you can go home, you know, and I was like, great, you know. And so I walk out, and my poor friend, you know, I probably should have prayed for him. I just didn't have my, I didn't have the whole concept. You know, I was just like, yeah, you know, I was excited. And the doctor walks up to me as I'm walking out, and he says, says so you're a believer, right? And I said, yeah, and, and we had a good discussion, just that he was a believer, and it's like, yeah, the Lord just healed me, and so get this, three months later, I come back. My friend gets in a car accident from my time there. We come back to the hospital, and we're in the emergency room, and the nurses go, hey, that's the guy that God healed. That's what they, they were like, the testimony was still there. So it was really cool just to be able to declare it. So God is good. But I say all that to say, man, I think the Lord just really delights. I'm not, I'm not saying that every moment he's going to heal every single little thing because you're giving thanks, you know? It's like some magic key. But what I am saying is I think that he just absolutely loves for us to love him. He just really does, especially in the hard times, because anyone can love him in the good times, anyone, but what about the hard times? 
It's huge. Number two, in our Western culture, the smallest things go wrong, and we can barely draw on anything to give thanks for because the concept is foreign. It was for me, that's for sure. Jockeying for our rights through criticism and complaint is the West's close companion and what we have a love affair with. I see this as one of the key components that will and has been turning the hearts of some in the church cold. The spirit of this age justifies why we should be alive to ourselves and the flesh and not dead to self. It is all around us in our culture. The subject is vital to remaining, this subject, Thanksgiving is vital to remaining faithful as, at, at, at the end of this age, as the end of this age approaches. As suffering increases, it increases, Thanksgiving in the Spirit's grace will set apart those who clearly know him or don't know him. It is what causes those in the world to, to j- suffer joyfully, even unto martyrdom, while counting it a privilege to die for the Lord as a faithful witness. To take joy in it, even. That is so foreign to us. So foreign. But it doesn't have to be. That's what I'm trying to get at. Even in the hardest times. Number three. There's one element that can anchor Thanksgiving in our lives and always is available. So I just wanted to say this. That we deserve hell. God sent his son who made way for the spirit to lead us unto salvation at the day of the Lord in the resurrection. If I'm drawing a blank when it comes to genuine thanksgiving, my default and constant attitude of gratitude is based and anchored in the fact that Jesus is returning to restore broken humanity, bring justice across the earth as the Messiah, and redeem me through the resurrection. Thanksgiving should keep our attention on him and the ultimate solution. That is the thanksgiving that should anchor all other thanksgiving. Okay, and so then I just put this, however, if the end game isn't real in our hearts, I already hit on this, then the basis for giving thanks becomes deflated and gratitude serves as just an occasional gesture to the Lord. And I really believe this is why Thanksgiving isn't prevalent in the church. It's one of the big reasons, is that the end isn't clear to us. That it's not real is what I'm trying to get at. It's not tangible. Like, I'm really, this flesh is going to rise up out of the dirt or it's going to change in a twinkling of an eye if I live through the tribulation, if he comes in my day. But he's coming. And so I had a crisis of belief probably a good year and a half ago, which I expressed a little bit in my fasting teaching. But I found out that I really didn't believe he was returning. I said it, but I didn't really believe it. And so that's why this area is huge. Like whenever we're anchored in it, it actually makes Thanksgiving worthwhile. We're not doing it on our, on our own. But there's a driving force behind it. We're anchored in the ultimate solution. All right, next point. I'm going to cruise through this. Like nobody's business. I know you guys are like, there's a lot of pages left. Okay, I'm going to, this, really I wanted to get the Thanksgiving part. Touch on the forgetting part and complaining. And then hit at the end really quick on the tabernacle. Forgetting is detrimental. Don't forget. Okay, great. Tons of verses. Psalm 78, verse 7, underline. So that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Deuteronomy 4, verse 9. Only take care and keep your soul diligently. 23. Take care lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God. So I didn't put all the references because if I did, it would be like a book. Take care. Don't forget. Be diligent. All those things. Deuteronomy 6, verse 12. Then take care lest you forget the Lord. Who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Now, did they really forget the Lord? No. They didn't really forget. They, they still, you know, yeah, he's God. And there's times where, I mean, yeah, they served other idols. But they still were like, he, he's still God. But they forgot in their heart, in the inside, in the inner man. There was a forgetting. All right. 
Verse 13, it is the Lord your God you shall fear. And then the very end, lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. Wow. So take care, or else God will just wipe you off the face of the earth, you know. <clears throat> wow. Because he's a jealous God. Verse 15, right before that. Oh, he's jealous. Psalms 9, he loves us. Psalms 9, the wicked are turned back and sent to Sheol. This is the destiny of all the nations that ignore or forget God. The Hebrew, it's the same context, forgetting and ignoring. The Lord dealt with me for quite a while in that. Rich, you ignore me. I'm trying to break into your world, you ignore me. All right, Psalm 78. They did not keep God's co covenant, but refused to walk according to his law. Why? Because they forgot his works and the wonders that he had shown them. Isaiah 7, uh, 17, verse 10. For you have forgotten the God of your salvation and have not remembered the rock of your refuge. Romans 1, verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. 22. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal, immortal God for images resembling mortal man. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the, the creature which is very humanistic, rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. All right, B. We're so caught in the blessing that the giver is forgotten. And really, this whole context is the lepers, so I'm just going to explain it. We got the ten lepers, right? Everybody's heard the story. Ten lepers, and basically they're yelling from afar because lepers really can't come close to anybody. They're kind of ostracized from anybody until they're healed of it, if they're healed of it. They're yelling to Jesus from far, hey, hey, Messiah, Master. They don't say Messiah, they say Master. I don't know if they really believe he's the Messiah, but hey, Master, do something about this, basically. So he's like, hey, go, go see the priest, because they would go. If they were healed, they would go see the priest. So he said, go see the priest. They all chose to go see the priest. That was good. They turned around, they started to go see the priest. Boom, they were healed. But what happened at that point? The nine of them got caught in the blessing. They were rejoicing. That's great. But only one came back and did what? Thank the Lord. So just point number one. First I'll, first I'll read verse 19. Then he said to the man, get up and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Number one, net Bible, note for the end of verse 19. He has delivered you. So when it says your faith has made you well, he has delivered you or has saved you. The remark about faith suggests the benefit of trusting in Jesus' ability to deliver as the one true Messiah. I believe this man came back and he was the Samaritan. He wasn't even the Jew. He was the one Samaritan. You know, the whole group. Wow. The Samaritans stopped and recognized Jesus as the Son of God and soon to be restorer of all things. I really believe that. This man was not just healed outwardly, but had something significantly happen inwardly. When we stop to recognize God and his movement in our lives, it strengthens us inwardly and makes way for righteousness. I think this man saw it. there's something different that happened to this man based off the context of the verse. Next, uh, next number here. Complaint is the declaration of forgetting, effects of complaint. So I'm going to skip through this. A, discouragement, self-pity, and giving up. Corporate and individual complaint severely hinders faith to pursue what God has said. Wow. Boy, does it. Discouragement, self-pity, and giving up slowly take us down a road of pride and eventually giving up. Man, for me, this is going to sound really, really strange, but, but I, was, I was wholeheartedly against getting married. And really, actually, in the midst of that process, I was bachelor to the rapture, right? Just didn't want to get married. It's wholeheartedly against that for my own life. I probably wouldn't have said I'm wholeheartedly against marriage, you know, in, in general. But the way I spoke about it was really against it. 
and I complained about it. I was really, really adamant. Quoted Paul's verse, better not to be married. <laughs> you know, and I'd go run around, you know, trying to get a following, you know, based around Bachelor to the Rapture. And <clears throat> I'm serious. Like, this was a teammate. You can ask Ken Krause. Me and him were Bachelor to the Rapture Club, man. And uh, as you can see, we didn't make it. But, uh, <clears throat> but we were super complainers. And it, it's going to sound really strange, but I really, my heart was in complaint around this thing. I was irritated. I'd given up on the, the area of marriage because of certain reasons and whatever and uh, gotten discouraged in certain things and then given up on it. And, and then the Lord spoke to me one time and said, in the midst of, of being on the road and all that, I was looking across a group of people, and my eyes hit the certain woman. And he said, she's going to be your wife. Okay, that doesn't happen to everybody. But it happened to me, and the Lord knew I needed it. And so I thought it was Satan right away, so I started rebuking it. I rebuked that in Jesus' name. Ah, ah. And I was around some of my friends, okay? And they were like, Rich, are you okay? Yeah, it's nothing. It's nothing. <laughs> and then we continued on the road. So that's right when we were starting to go on the road and live on a bus. That was my first year of living on the bus with the Choir of the Fire. And the woman that the Lord had pointed out was on the bus with me. She was on my team, the woman that I'm now married to. And... Um, it was a couple months down the road, and I'm on the steps. I'm seeking the Lord. I'm praying for somebody, and the Lord says that again. Sarah, Sarah Carmichael is going to be your wife. Because that was her last name at the time, and she went by her first name, which now she goes by her middle name. Her last name is Parks. But Sarah Carmichael is going to be your wife. And it's like, man, the enemy's really coming against me in this area. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. Uh, uh. And I was very vocal back then. I loved to do things out loud, right? I would just say it. And the driver was right behind me. He's like, Richard, are you okay with it? Yeah, I'm good. It was about a week later, no joke, this is really, about a week later, I'm like worshiping God, God's presence is all over me, you know, it's like, woo, one of those good times with the Lord. And out of the middle of nowhere, Sarah Carmichael's going to be your wife, boom, like very clear. And I was still learning how to hear the vo Lord's voice, but I definitely knew somebody was speaking something to me. And I was like, but Lord, I'm in your presence, like, how can the enemy even be here? Like, I'm just loving you. And he's like, and it was like, bing, light bulb went on in my head. <gasps> it's like. You, you're saying this. Oh, my gosh. And it was, a lot of stuff came after that. <clears throat> but I say that to say I almost missed the blessing of my wife in my life. I was really trying to rebuke it away because I was so complaining around this issue of marriage. Numbers 13, I'll skip over that. It's a great verse. You guys can read it. B, blaming, gossip, and even suicide. Number one, complaint almost always leads to some type of finger pointing and blame game. If you ever find yourself blaming somebody, ever, you ever find yourself blaming somebody, you know that's probably complaint involved. Those who complain blame and are definitely lame. All right. <clears throat> complaint is the instigator of gossip. C, rights mentality. This is a great piece of the puzzle. Complaint is not yet dead to self but alive to individual corporate rights. If you find yourself complaining, you probably have some rights that you need to uproot and die to yourself. You're supposed to be dead. Somebody should be able to come and hack you to pieces with their words and you'd be okay. You might struggle a little bit. I'm not saying you can't struggle. But, like, you should be able to die to that thing and move on. I'll let you look at those things over. Assumption. Oh, I have assumption there. Many times self-governed rights. Oh, good stuff. They thought, talking Matthew 20, they thought that they would receive whatever. Because they didn't receive it, what did they do? They grumbled. Or because the other guy received it, received what they got. Anyway. All right. D, creates unnecessary burden and steals your joy, no doubt. When I was entering Durango, the Lord spoke one thing to me very, very clearly. He said, Rich, if you ever lose your joy, stop everything you're doing, set your eyes on me. 
Because this is going to be a tough season, a very rough season, and if you don't set your eyes on me, you're going to walk out of this thing complaint, burnt out, and discouraged, giving up on me. So I, I heeded his words. Praise God, I'm still here. His yoke is easy and his burden is light, but we first have to come to him. E, hinders your leadership. Uh, great reference about Miriam and Aaron and, uh, and how Miriam's complaining. So is Aaron, but Miriam just kind of gets hit with the leprosy. Because she gets hit with the leprosy, they're stopped for seven days. They can't go anywhere. They can't move and go forward in their journey. Why? Because Miriam, the leader, complained, and God had to deal with it. So it can hinder your leadership as well. Boy, does it hinder your leadership. It actually disciples. It makes disciples like complaining disciples. What, how, how accountable will be for that if we make disciples of complaint because we've demonstrated it so well to them? It's huge. Number two, this is a phrase the Lord spoke to me, a very intense, it was an intense time of prayer. He spoke it very, very clearly to me. So if it doesn't resonate with you, great, but it definitely did with me and still does. If thanksgiving is a form of worship to God, then complaint is a form of worship to the enemy. So when I complain, I'm actually exalting him and lifting up him with my life. Psalm 2, do all things without grumbling or questioning that you may be blameless and innocent. All right. The tabernacle. Let's go ahead and throw it up, Alan. And then I'm going to be done here in a second. So just so you guys know, I'm going to run through this really quick. This thing is like, I have like a 13-part teaching series to the tabernacle. I'm about to give you something in two minutes. You guys excited? Buckle up. Okay, so God's house, the tabernacle back in the day, the Old Testament. Really, this was kind of a place of prayer for those in the Old Testament, right? It's like a place of prayer. And so they enter by the gate, right, the priest. The priest could not enter any other way. And so for me, the Lord just gave me a revelation that, that this, through a lot of seeking him, and I just really fell in love with studying the tabernacle. But the Lord's like, Rich, this really is kind of a layout of our prayer lives even today, the tabernacle is. And so God began to, like, piece together how this, all of this points to Jesus. It all points to Jesus, and it, and it all gave me concepts for my own prayer life and caused my prayer life to go through the roof. So I'm just going to describe just a tiny bit, but the Lord definitely revealed Psalms 100 verse 4 at the beginning. And obviously you know that that was a hard subject that he was hitting me with. That Thanksgiving really is the thread that runs throughout my prayer life. It's the thread, and if I were to be able to walk through this entire thing, which I'm not able to, you would see that Thanksgiving is the thread throughout the entire tabernacle as far as it, the prayer life side of things. But we enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise, and there's reason it has all that. But the priest would enter by the gate. He wouldn't enter any other way. However, many times in our prayer lives, what we do is we run alongside the wall, we throw our hook on, we jump over the wall, and we, and we run right to the laver. Okay? So the, let me just give context. The priest would enter by the gate, go to the altar of burnt offerings, where he would sacrifice or remember the salvation, right? So when he was walking into the tabernacle, the first thing he saw was the thing that paid the price for him to even get in there. He saw it. It was just like there. And then he had to kill it and go through that whole process. So he remembered the salvation. He had to spend intimate time remembering the salvation. Okay? So he'd do that, and then he'd go to the laver, and the laver was where he would bat, like, basically clean himself off from all the blood that had splattered everywhere. He's cleaning himself off in, in the laver in the big tub of water. Okay, and so for this, this is like confession. So first I have to get context of how God sees me. 
how he loves me, how his eyes are set on me. That he doesn't hate me, but he loves me. But what happens many times in our prayer lives is we skip over that process because this is really inconvenient. And so what we do is we put a hook, we run to the labor, and we go, oh, so horrible, God. You hate my guts. Ah. Ah. And then we go, ah, and we run out. <laughs> and we never come back. So I, I, th I think more, more dead prayer lives happen because of that than any other reason. If people really did these two things solidly, like really gave their life to do it well, they would get to hear and go, God, your mercy. And they would be weeping by the time they got to the labor. And they would feel his mercy and his cleansing and his love. Oh, I can't tell you. Man, I, I would be doing this and I would get to hear. And they'd be like, oh, God. Like, just unable to, like, take it. Unable to take it. And so when I got here, it was just like, it's just even more of his love. It's just like constant outpouring of his love. Like we should be overwhelmed just even in the outer courts. And the outer courts was the place where there's the stench of death. So this is, this is the stench of death out here. This is like, like the, okay, so let, there's so much I could hit on. I don't have time to hit on. But the outer courts, the natural sunlight would shine in the outer courts. Okay? Then you step inside here and you've got candlelight, which represents the Holy Spirit. We're, take, we're going a level deeper. Okay? And then you step in here, and it's the very presence of God, the Shekinah glory, that gives off the light. And so out here, where it's like the lower end, in the sense, the place of prayer, boom! It's like you sh we should be overwhelmed by his love. And then enter into here, and I'm not, I'm not going to go into, into here because I just don't have time. I don't have time. I wish I could, guys. I love it. I wish I could. I'll give you kind of the reference. The lamb stands, the Holy Spirit, table showbread representing the word of God. The altar of incense representing either the prayers of saints or praise. There's reasons for that. And then the Holy of Holies, where obviously the presence of God, intercession, some people see it as that. There's different reasons. But, but I really want to hit on the Thanksgiving piece, that the priest did not enter any other way but by the gate. But by the gate. We need to live in the presence of God. We need to live in that place. When you complain, you run out. Stop running out. Walk with an attitude of thanksgiving. Be radical. Learn. learn. Give yourself to learn how to socially deal with complainers when somebody's complaining. How not to agree with them and align with their ways. Lord, I just, I ask God, you would come. Lord, if this teaching did not create a crisis of belief, then it wasn't from you. So, Lord, I just ask, God, that you would, would create crisis, God, in the, inside of each of us, Lord. They would bring about a cry in our hearts to you. Lord, we want to cry out to you. God, we want to cry out to you to be people of thanksgiving, people of righteousness, people, God, who love others well and not put them down. Help us, Holy Spirit, to walk the way you ask us to walk, God. Holy Spirit, we desperately need your help. We ask for grace to walk in your ways. Show us your truth, God, in this subject of thanksgiving.
Lord, we want to enter your house and dwell there. The great thing is, Lord, that we are the house and you dwell in us. Let us not quench you, Holy Spirit. Let us not push you to the back corner of our hearts. But welcome you on a daily basis around every corner by walking with thanksgiving. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.